Since the knees start with. It'll be ready. I'm not missing this party. Apollo's leading this strike force. You're gonna have to sit this one out. I'm the best pilot that you have. Not right now. Combat, you gotta pull six, seven Gs. Doc says your knee won't take it. Well, then he's wrong. Is he? A Viper thruster pedal requires this much force to activate. <clears throat> now you're on your attack run. They launch their missiles. So you gotta jam that pedal into the firewall and hold a 6G turn for 10 seconds or you die. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, I'm sorry, it's a tough one, but just staying home. Welcome to Smoking and Drinking in Space. This is a sci-fi podcast from a couple guys who think they know sci-fi. I'm Jason. I'm Red. And this week we will be discussing Season 1, Episode 10, The Hand of God. But first we'll jump into... Lots of pew-pew in this episode, which is good because we've been lacking in some pew-pew, so... We have... First, I wanted to go over some some nascent sci-fi news uh, that I've gathered. I don't know if you have any this week, but uh, we went and watched Deadpool 2 yesterday, which was a fun little romp. Do you think it was as good as the first one? Uh, so, yes, I do. Um, it wasn't quite as funny as the first one. Some of the, the jokes were fell a little flat, but... The story was better than the first one, and it it actually elicited more of an emotional response than the first one. So, whereas the first one was just pretty much more all than snark. International Woman's Day scene, because <laughs> yeah. I got it. I got yeah. an emotional response from that one. I was felt for the character. So that's a that's a physiological response whenever you pucker that hard, but idiosympathetic, <laughs> right? Um, but no, um, it, it, would actually, it actually was, um, lost my train of thought there, but yeah, it, it, the, <laughs> <laughs> you got me thinking about the first one now. No, whereas the, the first pegging, movie was, pegging, pegging. yeah, whereas the first movie was, was all pretty much, you know, snark and action. This one has plenty of snark and it has plenty of action, but it also has some actual, you know character development scenes in it, so you probably won't enjoy it as much. Mm-hmm. You know, character development. Mm-hmm. Those, those moments where you, you, you kind of get drawn CDs. into the character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, CD. Got it. Gotcha, yeah. Not a venereal disease. Pew, pew, less. Sans the CD, man. Just get to the pew. Well, cool. Now, I'm looking forward to. I almost, I actually almost went and saw that yesterday. Really? But I figured since it was opening day, it would be pretty bad. Was it long? No, it wasn't too long. It was only a couple hours, maybe a little bit more. Um, we sat through the credits because there's always something at the end of the credits. And while it wasn't a, there's no spoiler here. Uh, you you do get something at the end of the credits, though it's not you know video. It's you know, listen listen to the the audio at the end of the credits. Ah, uh, keep the fapping to a minimum. Got it. Got it. 
Um, so in other news, it looks like The Expanse got canceled at Sci-Fi this this season because of uh, Alcon's distribution rights. Uh, Sci-Fi didn't want to agree to whatever Alcon was uh, wanting for for distribution, so they said, hmm. "Now nah, you can you can take it elsewhere." And so now The Expanse is shopping around for a network to uh, carry it for season four and beyond. Uh, everybody's hoping that that Netflix or another streaming service like that will get will pick it up, um, kind of like how Fox dumped. Well, if it's Brooklyn half as good as you and, say, I'm sure Netflix is looking at it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, Fox dumped Brooklyn Nine Nine, and then C, uh, NBC picked that up. So hopefully that'll that'll happen with the Expanse because it's it's a really good sci-fi series. It's one of the best I've ever seen, and I'd hate to end it. After season three, because I think yeah, there's, I, there's more well, story remember, to go. Now, is the correct me if I'm wrong? I think I was thinking more. I think I have seen some of the expanse. Is it like humans inside the solar system, and there's like corporations and stuff fighting for various resources? Corporations and governments, yes. Yeah. Okay, I've seen a couple of those episodes. I liked it. I liked it. Yeah, it's 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 very good. Um, I think the last one I. St- Last one I saw, I think, was like episode, season one, episode three. I think was as far as I got into it. Oh man, you just scratched the surface. There so was the- a, there was a an, a, an, a an attack about to happen on a ship by another ship, and they're like, "Oh my god, you know, it looks like it's so and so," and then it, you know, cut to commercial and all that. I yeah. don't know, something came up. I had to go to the bathroom or something and forgot. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you just scratched the surface. But I, I remember think a, thinking I liked how they addressed science. Yeah, yeah, they actually, you know, they didn't have. They dealt with things like sound in a vacuum and yeah, gravity. They, they relaxed that a little bit every now and then. Um, sometimes they'll have like outside space shots with a ship passing by, and you'll hear a rumble. But I, I'm willing to overlook that because it. It gets a little boring just seeing stuff and not hearing things. People expect, you know, a well, ship to fly by. You, you kind of hear it. But, yeah, um, the way that they handle. Well, now, yeah. I have a question, though. What? Now, I have a question. If in, in, in space, right, obviously you're not going to hear another ship by you, obviously. Sure. But wouldn't you hear any noises made by your own ship, like engines firing or something? Within yes. your own home. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Any anywhere there's the ability for vibrations to happen. Yeah. Then yeah, you're gonna hear sound. That's that's how sound works. That's kind of my thought. And they actually do a really good job at one point. Um, there's no spoilers here, but at one point, two characters are out in the vacuum of space in their um, in their vac suits, and they turn off their communications. And they put their helmets together so that they can talk privately between one another. Oh, because the oh, vibration yeah, between sense. those two helmets transmits that that uh, that sound. So you're telling me what you're saying in your own special coy little way is that if you and I are ever floating in space, we just need to put our heads together and we can communicate covertly. Oh, yes. And we is don't have to be in saying? space to do it. <laughs> is that like telepathy a couple of guys putting their heads together I got something I need to tell you on the down low very low let's link up <laughs> wonder twin powers activate oh my god but yeah yeah so I, I love it, science it, it actually uh, yeah it, it it treats the science right I, I think is is mm-hmm. my point here. So that does sound cool. I will definitely actually, have to uh, check that out. They actually give a really good explanation for the the types of drives that they have, the engines that they have, and they actually give a, an episode dedicated to um, the discovery of uh, their their engine power. I guess it's it's actually a really good mm-hmm. episode. Um, but yeah, they they do the science right. Do you think do you think that we're ever going to I don't know about real life 
But other than Star Trek, I can't think of any other sci-fi show where humans didn't have some sort of monetary-based economy. And it seems like a lot of the conflict, both in sci-fi and in real life, is based upon some form of capitalism, communism, some form of economy. Well, so Do you the ever whole... think that we're going to evolve past that? No. Because the whole reason for economies to exist is because there is unlimited want and only limited resources. Limited resources, right, yeah. So as okay. long as there There's are limited something. Yeah, as long as there are limited resources, you have to have some way to trade and barter those resources. Right on. So Star Trek's the only bastion of economic peace. <laughs> right. And that's because they bypass the entire need part or the unlimited resources part through their matter replication system. Yeah, that would do it. That would do it. And just imagine, but think about them food replicators. You could get yourself a chocolate sundae and have it nutritionally balanced, but you could have chocolate sundae every day. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, think of the power that the Federation has or any, think of the power that any, culture has that has that matter replication system over another culture that doesn't. I mean, they could just absolutely crash another culture's economy by flooding their economy full of uh, whatever currency that they're currently using, whether it's goods for bartering or some sort of fiat currency. Oh, yes. Absolutely. I mean, the Ferengi, I don't even know. Tractor beams and flood them with asteroids, too. Right. I don't even know why the Ferengi are a thing in Star Trek universe. Well, I think it's because that stuff they got called gold press latinum cannot be replicated. Okay. What what does gold press latinum do for me? I don't know. It's just something that's rare. If you have less of something, the value's increased. Well, only if that value had, I mean, so. If gold press latinum has some sort of intrinsic value where it's actually useful for something, then yes. It's agreed upon. It's agreed upon by multiple uh, economic systems for trade. There are certain things that apparently are unique to various planets, which again, you would think the replicator. Right. But if I have a matter replicator that can just replicate whatever I need, why do I need fucking gold plate and platinum unless I need it for a specific application? Right. And I don't know that there is one, but also one could also with, with just the transporter and the replicator, you could eliminate the need of anybody dying in an episode too. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you could just, yeah, transport them, fix them up and then, Yeah. Well, either fix them up or just make another copy of them based upon the version that's in the buffer in the memory. <laughs> yeah, but depending on how old that buffer memory is, they may they may yeah, forget a few back things. And forth every ten minutes in a damn universe, they'd find one that's not more than a week old. What happened? Where am I? Ah, oh, we'll see. You died. <laughs> so we brought you back. You're you're you again. But do I have a soul? Yeah, whatever. But speaking of sci-fi and The Expanse, I've noticed that through watching The Expanse through Sci-Fi's On Demand app that they've got a lot of new shows coming in, but it seems like sci-fi is leaning more and more towards the horror genre than than sci-fi. I haven't seen any new sci-fi shows coming up. Yeah, they got rid of Dark Matter. That pissed me off. I never watched that. That's a decent little show. Yeah, they've Basically, got a lot more. You got, you got the, the premise of that show, Dark Matter. They've got, I think, two or three seasons on Netflix. That's where I was watching it. You got a bunch of people that wake up with amnesia on the ship. And about a third of the cast comes from the sci-fi show. Um, oh, hell, it's that one where the girl, she's a succubus. I haven't seen that one either. Sucks life energy, and you've got this light fade, dark faith thing going on in the world, and humans running around like dull, and there's this whole balance of power. It's it's kind of it's got kind of a Highlander feel to it. They've been around for centuries. 
Kind of like a Buffy the Putting Vampire the meets Highlander thing. Yeah, that's that's a real good analogy. Um, anyway, when that show got canceled, several of the, I've noticed several of the characters. I watched it just because it was really edgy as far as the nudity. Yeah, it was nice. <laughs> yeah, you get to see definitely some nice intriguing things. But some of the stories were kind of cool, some of the critters that they came up with. But uh, anyway, um, when that show got canceled, you know, you always kind of wonder where's that actor going to pop up next. And several of them popped up in Dark Matter. And the first season is all about these people trying to learn who they are. They just call each other in order by when they were revived. I'm number one, you're number two, that's number five, as far as in the line of who got woke up from the hibernation chambers. And um, got this whole big thing going on with. Um, they, they essentially they're pirates on this ship. There's some technology and things that are definitely game changers that they get involved in assassinations, different corporations that are vying for control of various aspects of the galactic economy and everything. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And then they, uh, they come up with something called the blink drive, which makes hyperspace travel look like a, family trip to the grand canyon i mean literally you just wink out and appear wherever you want to be and of course for some reason all these corporations want that they don't think these little group of pirates should have it and they stole it fair and square hmm. but yeah. um it, it's, a, it's a decent little show it's a decent little show and they've got this way of uh, one of the things that i thought was interesting about it and this this isn't really anything major they introduced this early in the season they have a technology where they can, they don't have teleporters, but what they do have is at pre-designated positions, they've got clones. And what happens is, is you say, okay, I want to go and have a vacation on a planet that is way, way far away. It would take me more money than I've got and months out of my life to try and get to this planet, if not years. But there's already a space station set up there, so they're going to take my consciousness, put me in a coma, and stick my consciousness in a clone. Oh, that's of me. cool. That they insta-grow at that location. And then, after your vacation's over, the clone shuts down, and your consciousness is fired back into your original self, and you've got all the memories and everything, just not the tan lines. Ah, and that has that has all kinds of interesting implications involved in it, and uh, that's that's kind of fun. I yeah, that, that sounds was pretty a neat cool. Idea. I just didn't know why they wanted to limit it to a version of you. I think it'd be kind of cool to do that and put myself in the body of a clone that's actually attractive, and maybe I could have some sick with the ladies. <laughs> or be I a only, lady. I can only talk in space, my head to your head, so often, but. Um, not that you're not wonderful, but I think my that might have something here. also, I know, but I think that might have something to do also with maybe the setup of the brain or whatever. And they just like for this brain to fit, it has to be in this body. I don't know. Right. Right. But anyway, it was, that's, it's, that's a decent show, but they canceled dark matter too. And it was doing, it was doing well. It was going strong. The numbers were okay. They weren't bad. There are other shows that are still on the air where the numbers weren't as good, but they just wanted better. Interesting. I heard they canceled the show Lucifer. Based they on did. Similar and thinking. That was probably for had some. Well, but they had some strong numbers. There's other shows they've kept that aren't doing as well. Yeah. But, but Lucifer disappointed me. I was really looking forward to I think it would have had to have been darker. I, the first couple of episodes of the first season got me real jazzed up for that show. Yeah, I liked and the first season. And then they season. softened it. I liked the first season. I thought, Oh, yeah. Um I think they could have gone darker. Um but oh, then yes. the second season just blew it for me. I I couldn't make it through like four Dude. or five season or four or five episodes. Really you did into better than me. I did season. two episodes and went no. Then they brought then they brought our uh into the show playing his mother. Right. And I was all excited about that and then I watched that episode. And went, ugh, seriously? Is that the second or third season that they brought her in? That was third season. Okay, so I guess I did make it through second season. Because it was was the season that that they brought her in 
that I couldn't make it through. And I was like, eh, just I, I couldn't do it. I mean, she was she seemed to be a compelling character, but it was. I don't know what it was. It, it just it seemed too campy for me. It seemed too campy the for word. the subject matter. That is the word campy. I mean, it's okay in its place, but I mean, Deadpool's been accused of being a bit campy. I like it. Yeah, but Deadpool's now, not the morning wish, star. This isn't a sci-fi show, but I've been watching HBO's Barry. I watched that this season. And Watch what? Barry. The HBO. Barry. It's an HBO show called Barry, and it's a yeah. about a an assassin and. It's supposed to be a comedy about an assassin who wants to become an actor. And so you're going, okay, so this is going to be a, a comedy. It's got Bill Hader in it. He's an excellent actor so it's like and get comedian. Shorty. <laughs> kind of. But, man, that fucking show went dark, and it went dark hard. <laughs> I mean, it was still funny. But, man, it got dark. Are we talking oh. like Dexter Dark? Close to it. This is a Dexter got pretty fucking dark. That's one of the reasons I liked that show. Yeah, Dexter was an excellent show. But I think it's time we get into the episode. Or uh, are we ready for the pod crawl? Uh yeah. Let's let's give it a try. Refresh All right. My memory. What is a pod crawl? <laughs> it would be nice if we had something that could introduce a pod crawl. I think we do. I think we've used it the last episode or two. Well, maybe we should hear it again. Let's do it. We can call it, I don't know, say a pod crawl. The pod crawl. Pod crawl. Pod crawl. Pod crawl. Excellent. Insert it deep. Pod crawl. Kind of like a space suppository full of information. The low fuel indicator is flashing for the Galactica fleet. Rosalind has a bad trip during a presser. Boomer and Crash recreate their famous searching for water routine, Tilium edition. It seems the way Tilium is actually created is to pound on sensor equipment. Adama decides to go for it on fourth down. Rosalind seeks advice and is told she's now a psychic friend. The executive officers play Battlestar Galactica the tabletop game. Rosalind plays referee. Gaius gets a religious full body massage with a happy ending. Adama gives a spot to Starbuck in the gym. The soap opera that never ends is on a horse ranch this week as they recreate a scene from the final episode of The Wonder Years. Adama and Apollo have a moment. The battle for the unicorn ore commences. Gaius freaks out and Starbuck goes in the back door. Apollo channels his inner Starbuck and blows the base. Everyone celebrates and enjoys a Miller High Life. Gaius has his god complex stroked and roll credits. Nice. So what'd you think of this episode? Oh, I liked it fine. I liked it fine. There was uh, just the right amount of character development. There wasn't a whole a lot of it, more but on the pew pew. yeah, they, they, they did go into Starbuck and Apollo a little bit. Um, seemed the theme of this episode well, see, was kind of overcoming self-doubt. That seemed to be the, the, the major overarching yeah, storyline. Starbuck's not the only pilot in the fleet. I no. like that they gave, they've established some credibility and they're going to continue to do so, especially with the characters that have just recently introduced of Cat and Hot Dog. They're going to start taking on a lot larger burden when it comes to flying in the Vipers. Right. But it was good to see that Apollo's the CAG for more than just nepotism reasons. Right. Of course, if they keep losing pilots like they did in this episode, she might be the only pilot left in the fleet. Yeah, nah, they got they got more meat on that fleet. I'm sure there's some 15 and 16 year olds that are jazzing to get in the cockpit. Yeah. But no, I really enjoyed the episode. I did like the character development because sometimes it's like, okay, I know where you're going with this. Why is it taking you two pages of dialogue to just get it done in half? Come on, let's just get to the point. Yeah, it seems seems they were really succinct in, in their, their character development on this. I mean, it's, it was, it was showing, you know, Starbuck wanting to get back in the cockpit and Adama slapping her down saying, you're, you're just not ready yet. And it showed... Oh, the scene in the weight room was great. Yeah, the scene in the weight room was great. He was... <laughs> I loved it when uh, he said, you know, you've, you've, this, it, it takes this much pressure to uh, push the thruster in a Viper. And so she 
pushes right. up the, the leg press and then he starts stacking weight on top of it. And yeah. Goes, now you're in a 6G turn. Hold that for 10 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. And see, that's the beauty of it because I think if we were listening to an old radio drama, I can understand more dialogue. But even in the radio dramas, they started introducing, you know, the musical score coming through instead of just a certain moments they had an overlying musical score that was going through. It's like nowadays you always know when the bad guy's about to jump out and kill you because the music changes and why it's such a, so impactful when someone like Shyamalan comes through and takes the music out. Right. The film. And I really like how their use of camera was able to, I would say go hand in hand 50, 50 with the character development. Right. Visual expressions, body language, lighting, camera angles, all of that, I think, played equal to the dialogue in this episode. Although and we was, were able to get a lot more in. Although there was one camera angle that I did not like at all, and that was the upside down camera where they went over the, um, the battle board. That was oh. that was weird. I, I could have done without I that. I thought you were talking about the plumber's crack on Ty. I found that intriguing. I missed that. <laughs> Where was that? Egg. Trust me. Trust me. There was an Easter egg in his coin slot? <laughs> no, it's not there. But hey, you can edit this part out and just let people think there is one. There you go. Somebody out there is going, oh my God, Ty's crack. Crack of Ty. Crack of Ty. That should be a that should be an alt rock album. Hell yes, can be the sequel to Crack of Toa. Get it, Crack of Toa. <laughs> but no, I really enjoyed this episode. I liked um, I liked the way they were showing the ships. There's an episode uh, coming up. I want to say it's next season where um, you start getting a better idea about the piloting skills and whatnot of the Cylon Raiders, which is really cool. But, um, yeah, I mean, it really shows, I mean, the amount of time and skill that goes into getting a pilot ready just at the novice level. And then they're taken out with a missile that quick. And it really starts to show the strain on resources that they have. And, of course, they had to commit to this operation because they're down to less than 5% of their uh, unicorn ore. Yeah, and I was really... I was very concerned at the beginning of this episode where it looked exactly like water, how that started with Boomer and Crash <laughs> in a Raptor um, looking for this ore. They're not finding a thing on their sensors. Crash then bangs on his console and suddenly, wow, there's all this Tilium. Actually, what he did was he hit the on button. They passed <laughs> through that entire asteroid feels nothing but Tilium. Right, right. You just hit the on button. Okay, so what you're saying is Crash is a moron. He's he's pretty. He is pretty. You're he's, right. You don't have to, you don't have to be smart. <laughs> Good thing he's pretty. But well, he's not a pilot. That's why his name's Crash. <laughs> but yeah, it it was a, it was a pleasant surprise whenever the the episode didn't turn into to another episode two. Oh, God, that episode still haunts my dreams. <laughs> that is that is true. So what do you think about uh, not Boomer? Uh, she's pregnant. Yay. I could give a shit. But what does that say for the show, though? Uh, it says that this whole Boomer Hilo part of the show should have never happened. Because I don't well, like give I a shit. Well, like I told you, though, they're trying to make that human Cylon hybrid. I understand, and I still don't give a shit. It's not intriguing to me at all at this point. I mean, like I said, if they had done it with Boomer on the actual Galactica, that would make more sense. I mean, she's already in a well, I think in a relationship with Chief, and well, but see, you're gonna find out that's the problem. That in itself has its own problem. Okay. But it's it's a problem that I might have been more interested in instead of, you know, 
as the Caprica turns, this fucking soap opera that we get <laughs> cut in to every episode, it just, it sucks. I don't, every time they cut to Hilo and not Boomer, I want to turn off the episode. I just want to not watch the show anymore. No, I get you. But yeah, the, the, the child now growing within Boomer or not Boomer, Sharon. Uh, takes on a messianic position in the eyes of the Cylon. I thought Gaius was the Messiah. Only to Gaius. Only to Gaius. <laughs> You're not wrong. He is the Messiah, but just unto his church of one. Okay. That, that makes sense. And there's another character that I really could give two shits about. Yeah, Baltars. He, he, uh, he doesn't... Some would say his character gets further developed and better as the show goes on. I just see it as the guy that you got is what you get in different situations. I mean, really and honestly, you could have taken Gaius out of this episode altogether. You could have written it because Rosalind already has that predict that that kind of vision with the mm-hmm. snakes at the beginning of the episode. And then she goes to their religious leader, whatever her name is. And the religious leader is is basically saying that she's becoming the embodiment of the prophet that was foretold in in their scriptures. So you could have used Rosalind in the same spot as Gaius in picking out the um, in picking out the the Tilium precursor on the map. She could have seen it in a vision and then they could have followed her vision because they didn't know, and that was the best guess that they had. Well, you could have used her as an analog. Because if, if they had done that, it would have acquired a serpent. <laughs> and that's too Freudian for a woman in her position to see that many phallic symbols. Twelve of them? There's too many. Or ten and two? Well, yeah, that adds up. That's almost twelve. It is almost twelve. It is almost. Why... why? <clears throat> have, have any ancient texts actually, you know, written shit out like that? Ten and two. Well, maybe they didn't have any numbers past ten, so it's so 10 if they and wanted to whatever. say if they wanted to say one hundred, it'd be like ten and 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 ten. Yeah, yeah. You got and I don't it. even know. I don't even know if I have that many tens. <laughs> And know. if you had written that on a piece of paper with the corners cut off, you too would be a prophet. Ah, uh, yeah. You would have to be somebody who enjoys corners cut off to be enjoying writing like that. I think I figured out why they do that. The corners cut it's off? the trees, man. It's the trees, man. That's how the, tr- the trunks are shaped. <laughs> That's not how paper works. <laughs> They just slice that wood really thin. Jinsu oh. knives. <laughs> Cut through a beer can. Jinsu. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I like their battle board, but that it yeah. was some sort of static image that Oh, that reminded me of the game. Of game. the game, yes. Yes. The game. Axis and Allies, Parker Brothers, thank you very much. The game. Or Starfleet Battles. Starfleet Battles. That was a uh, that was that's a good right. one. That's right. That's that's that was a very fun game. I believe they're out of Amarillo, Texas, originally. What was that game design workshop? Something something like that. Yeah, Amarillo. It's a fun game, but um, yeah, I thought it was really good. I enjoyed the uh, intestinal fortitude with which it took to go up the anus of the mine shaft at high speed. <laughs> right. It reminded me of, like, if they were to make a Battlestar Galactica video game, that would definitely be a level everybody would be fighting through. Oh, Trying I to hate, negotiate that, that little tube. I hate games that do that, that make you go through this tiny little tube in a high-speed flight. Oh, I hate that. I think the first game I Especially ever experienced Especially when it looked like on. he could have gone, he could have slowed that thing down to just landing approach and gone through it just fine. What was his rush? Yeah, I don't know. I think the first game I ever experienced that on was uh, a Star Wars game, Star Wars Millennium Falcon or something like that, way back in 
96, 95, 96, somewhere around there. You had to uh, uh you had to navigate the Millennium Falcon through several of those Star. kinds of, of chambers. No, it wasn't the Death Star. This was like mines a mine of some sort. It took oh. uh took me and a friend of mine like days to get through that game. But how did you feel when you got through it? Pissed. Nah, you were enriched. Pissed. You were happy and you felt a sense of accomplishment. Oh, no, not really. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I thought it was good. They got their unicorn ore and they're going to be able to proceed through. Because apparently during this entire episode, the Cylons were not able to get any kind of a signal off saying, hey, you might want to come over here. There's colonials trying to rebuild parts of our mine to get fuel for their large, cumbersome fleet. Oh, were they going to rebuild the mine? I thought they were just going to take a bunch of shit that they had already mined and, and move on. Well, they might do that, but I'm assuming a lot of that stuff that was already mined was in the part of the base they blew the fuck up. Well, that's true. The mine itself is fine. They're going to have to send down mining ships and get ore. They might be able to process it in transit, but they still have to get the ore. Right. And the Cylons have already demonstrated they've got a uncanny ability to jump in and jump out. They've got greater range than the colonial ships. Right. More accurate. One thing that did something. bother me is when they were executing the mission, Adama says, uh, launch strike group one. And on the deck... Nobody thought there'd be strike crew, too? Oh, the guys were not already waiting. Yeah, they were, on a, they were on, on ready alert. Too. <laughs> I was like... Yeah, they should have been in there, engines hot, ready to go. Yeah. yeah. No, no, was, no. They're finishing up that, that fucking game of Pyramid. Uh, yeah, they, they flashed over to the flight deck, and everybody's scrambling to get the ladders up to the cockpit, and here come the pilots running up, and I was like, they're not fucking ready. What the hell? Yeah, that's drama. That's yeah. drama. So, sometimes that, I mean, I know that's a little nitpicky type thing, but geez. No, it's just, not. It just glares at you as to shitty writing at that point. It's just. It they, does, because even now, this, this will blow your mind. At least it did mine. Right now, currently, on our aircraft carriers, they've got launch capacities that. It's just unheard of. They can put more aircraft in the air, I would I would assume, than an airbase can. They're capable of launching an aircraft every like 15 to 20 seconds. They can put one out. Damn. But that's because they've got everybody in the cockpits and the aircraft loaded up and ready to go. All they have to do is load them on. And our newer carriers don't even use steam catapults anymore. They use a magnetic launch yeah. system, which takes less time to rearm. Yeah, but they were having so, some problems with those whenever they first implemented them. Yeah, it was like five years ago. I'm sure they worked the bugs out. I hope so. But, I mean, if our carriers can put out two at a time every 15 to 20 seconds, you know, I mean that that they've got a system, and the a Galactica can launch at minimum. I think she can put out something like at least half a dozen per side. Yeah, but they only and have one side to work with. Taken, yeah, but why? What they've been in space for a little while now. Why don't they take down that museum? Are they thinking they're going to like use it as a way to generate income at some planet? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. Let's just go ahead and make that operational. Yeah, I don't. You know, I don't that's, know. That's one of my pet peeves. I'm not. I'm, I mean, yeah, they must I'm, have totally gutted that pod. Yeah, I'm not sure why they, they must have no have infrastructure. Killed that museum at this point. It seems a waste. I don't. Know. It seems a waste of resources. But I mean, right. on the on the other hand, they don't have that many vipers or pilots anyway, so maybe they don't need that extra capacity. Turn that into a damn fabricator or something. Right. I'm sure you could use the space for something. I mean, hell, if nothing else, they said that the the civilian ships were getting overcrowded. You could use that space to house people. 
Well, and in an upcoming episode, you're going to wonder why they didn't turn it into a fucking farm. Or you could use it to grow crops. They've had problems yeah. with water. They've had problems with fuel. What's the next thing they could run out of? Yeah, well, food. apparently it's not going to be fucking home-rolled cigars. Or I know. Booze. They've got that covered. <laughs> they got that shit covered. They even have labeling and bottling ability. I've never seen bottles. I mean, where the hell are they coming up with this stuff? I know. They've got plenty Unless, of tobacco and I think a booze got some kind of intergalactic quickie mark. Fucking got all that damn booze. But yeah, the next thing they're going to have to deal with in the near future is food stores. And I'm thinking an entire launch pod off of a battle star would make a hell of a hydroponic garden. Yeah. It would at least alleviate or some of the... Arboridium or something. Yeah, at least alleviate some of the, the food shortage. I mean, it may not account for everything, but some is better than nothing. Oh, yeah. For sure. Of course, we know they can't grow rice because that would take up too much water. So... We don't want to start taxing that. I, I mean, it's not like the rice is consuming the water and then you don't get it back. Well, yeah, I mean, you now you're talking about like a greenhouse type thing where they seal it all in, makes its own atmosphere. It might even be self-watering. But no, 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 let's not get into horticulture. Got to chill. Don't lose. Don't use too much common sense. <laughs> but suffice it to say, Battlestar can put out. I want to say that what I, I remember hearing anywhere from 60 to 300 Vipers is a compliment. I would say it's closer to 300 because I, I remember years ago reading a website where a guy estimated based upon the number of battle stars and the job they were going to have to do that a single battle star would have an entire wing of aircraft. And you're talking like 10 to 15 squadrons. Right. For a wing. So an entire wing, that Battlestar, to even make use of those kind of numbers, would have to ex like 30 to 40 fighter craft at a time per side. So if Galactica's got that kind of capability, you know, and I think they said there was something like Strike Force 1 was outnumbered 5 to 1, and there were 90 Cylons approaching on the initial attack. Fifty response to their arrival. They were, uh, they were outnumbered like... Yeah, 10 to 1, there were 50, or 5 to 1, and there were 50 uh, Cylon Raiders coming towards them. So they had 10, they had 10 Vipers on that Strike Force 1, and then it looked like another 10 or so in in that uh, container ship. So Yeah, and that container ship's one of the original ships from the original Battlestar. Is it? That That's was actually pretty cool looking. Um, That's the Colonial Movers ship. Colonial Movers, we move anywhere. <laughs> that's awesome that actually was a pretty cool looking ship it had like you know a, a tripod of of containers on yeah. it yeah yeah i always that always reminded me of those burlington northern santa fe trains those those cargo containers that you see coming straight off of the cargo ship straight to the yeah. flatbed yeah that's exactly what it looked like and so yeah i, I think that was, that's a very viable design in my opinion but um yeah, so they don't have that many Vipers left. They need to start doing something. Well, but, I mean, they've got Vipers to spare. They just don't have pilots, especially after that one episode where they lost half their pilot corps in one freak accident. So Yeah, that's what you get for doing the river dance on the flight deck, or hangar deck. But, yeah, they got in there. They got everything wonderful. Baltar got his little neck adjustment. Yeah, I'm sure that's the Apparently only adjustment he got. Mental girlfriends can be a real pain in the neck. Boom, boom, Yeah. And uh, other than that, that's pretty much where we're at. They're going to get their fuel. They're not going to get ambushed. And Gaius thinks that he is the voice of God. That's right. And Sharon's got morning sickness. And I could give a crap. And Rosalind is seeing the snakes. Yeah, so... That'll be Rosalind interesting. Where they basically becomes her. Moses. That's Rosalind is Moses. So she's Moses. Yeah, I would think that Gaius would be more of the Moses character if he is supposedly the voice of God. Mm, no, actually, the voice of God was Moses' brother Aaron. 
Moses was slow of speech. He had a stutter. Oh. Didn't realize that. But yeah, yeah. He was slow of tongue. He had a stutter. His 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 half brother Aaron, or his brother Aaron. Yeah, it was his brother Aaron. They linked up after he realized that he was kicked out of the family and was having to work and live with a slave. That's when he found out that he was the long lost baby in the basket. So Aaron did all the talking. In fact, a lot of times Aaron even had the staff. But yeah, Rosalind becomes Moses. She's leading them on their exodus to the best land. They even plagiarize it so much so that when they do finally get to the promised land, she doesn't get to stay, just like Moses. He really? got to see it, but not enter in. Yeah. She gets there, but they don't let her stay long. That cancer's eating her up bad. Of course, with this being based loosely off of Mormon theology, wouldn't she be more like jo- uh, John Sm- or J- Joseph Smith? Joseph Smith. No, because he was a pubescent boy at the time. He lived a nice long life with many wives. Joseph Smith? Yeah, when he when he saw that when the angel first appeared to him for the first time, he was just a teenager and he went and told his family about it. Well yeah, but he didn't actually strike off to Utah until later. No, no. Not until much later. But No, she's Moses. I think they leaned a little bit more heavily on Christian doctrine than Mormon. Not that Mormons aren't Christians, it's just their own flavor. But anyway, with the original scriptures, because people are more familiar with the story is all. I think it's just a matter of familiarity with the mythos. But yeah, she's got her her crazy visions that are going to lead her on. And believe me, that little priestess that she hooks up with does not do anything to help her get more rational. Oh, no, I wouldn't imagine so. If anything, she's polishing the crack pipe. Here, take another hit. (laughs) If a little bit does you good, a whole lot will do you better. Kamala. Oh, yeah. It's okay, man. It's all natural. That means it's good for you. Well, cyanide's all natural as well. Logic, logic. But yeah, hallucinations. They got their fuel. Uh, I thought we had really good character development, something a bit more my speed on character development. I was very pleased with that. I like how they're stretching Starbuck to step outside of the hot jock in the cockpit role. That's got to be challenging for somebody that's used to actually being in the mix, kind of like going from being a player to a coach, you know? Right. You want to be in there. You know it needs to be done, but you got to try and trust this whippersnapper to get in and do it instead of you because... You don't have the tools anymore. You got the knowledge, but not the tools. Right. You know, time waits for no one. But yeah, I thought this was a good episode. I thought it ended pretty well. And uh, other than our typical bitches and rants about various characters and certain things that seem to go from one episode to the next into perpetuity, in general, I would give this one a thumbs up. Yeah, I agree. I give it a thumbs up too. Um, Soap opera, notwithstanding. Um, now the Black Long Award, if I Black- may be so presumptuous, Go for goes it. to Joseph Adama. You giving it to jo- to Adama? Okay. Joseph Adama, Grandpa, Grandpa Adama, right? Grandpa Adama, that right? He, the owner of the lighter. That's good. I'm I'm giving my Black Long Award to Apollo because um, he lights up his his victory stogie with Grandpa's lighter. So there you go. Uh, my uh, head lush award. Go for it. I was asking you, lush award. My head lush award is going to go to the Galactica flight deck celebration. Everybody cracked open their Miller High Life, which is, of course, the champagne of beers. Champagne of beers. Uh, Absolutely. Brewed in just, Texas. Oh, I think I just vomited a little bit, but um, oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you everybody. Got your choice. We've got we've got the best beers in the world. We've got Miller High Life and Coors. Oh, and don't forget Shinerbach. Hey, some of these guys might be sponsors someday. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll agree with you on the Lush Award. I like the fact that everybody's enjoying. Yeah. So that, that goes to the Flight Deck Celebration. Who's your player award? 
Player award, player award. I'm going to have to give that to Hilo because he put one in the oven. Bada bing! Ah, okay. Um, my player award is going to go to Imaginary Six this episode. She uh, did nothing but manipulate Gaius through her sexual prowess. And uh, um, yeah, she uh, she gets my player award for this this. I was trying to think. I mean, there wasn't really just a whole lot of of uh, sexy time during this this episode. But um, hey, speak for yourself. I got a <laughs> pause button on my keyboard. Ah. I'm telling you, there was plenty of daddy time. Oh, we need to analyze this development here. I got a development. Who's gonna be the one? <laughs> ah, shit. <laughs> So, but every time I, I was thinking about player award, it, imaginary six came up. So that's that's who I got it for. Yeah, you know, I understand. I got you. I feel you there. But I'm thinking Helo's got it because not only did he tap that, but he tapped something that's not even human. He crossed over genomic lines. That's a that is a, a, a feat. The man, well, feet, hands, whatever it takes. But I'm telling you. He got the little guys to get it done. <laughs> they got it done. So what do we got? What's coming up? Uh, looks like our next episode is going to be Battlestar Galactica Season 1, Episode 11, Colonial Day. When President Roslyn calls an interim quorum of the 12 colonies, she discovers that democracy brings its ugly stepsisters, politics and deadly intrigue, to the party. Tom Zarek, the charismatic convicted terrorist, is elected as the delegate from Sagittarian and immediately proposes elections for the vice presidency. Yeah, Zarek is awesome. He's good. Not a lot of pew-pew in this one. Yeah, this this seems to be more um, moving the, the political intrigue plot forward. Uh, we get a, probably a better look into some of the um, colonial body politic and uh, how things work their democracy so well it's called smoking and drinking in space for a reason kitties not pew pew that's right hopefully there's more smoking and drinking there will be if any episode were to have it I would think this one would oh yeah well I think that puts a wrapper on this one yep I think we can put a bow on this one and uh, call it an episode. We thanks thank you for uh, listening. Our intro and outro music is Welcome Home by Cambo. Pod crawl music is Snack Mix by Mitchette. If you like the show, please rate us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Blueberry. You can leave us feedback at smokinganddrinkinginspace.com or you can email us at smokinganddrinkinginspace at outlook.com. This is Jason. I'm Red. And we'll talk to you next week. I like it.